Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the USL show. And baby, the USL is back. The championship is here. League one is around the corner. And Phil put in a title in our private chat and calling it USL championship coping week is going to be the title <laughs> of the show because, oh man, are we all sipping on the copium? A one, one draw. You got a one, one draw. We all got a one, one draw unless you lost one nil or five to three, um, you know, cause it was either all goals or no goals. And that's just the USL babe. Welcome to the chaos. Look, we have a lot of chat about we we're going to change up some of the formats of the show for this for this year tell us what you think of it um but first phil i talked about you already man how you doing i'm doing all right uh it was a uh it was an interesting weekend you know we had a third straight manager in locomotive history start with a loss um it's the only way to get it going so um yeah all it's the only way we've done it so anyways yeah i've been interested that the fan base has stayed relatively calm uh in the in the aftermath and yeah, excited to to talk about what went down elsewhere because uh, it was it was not calm elsewhere. I would say. I feel like majority of the fan bases kind of understand that this week was opening week, and I think ev- almost every team just looked like it was opening week. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But some teams came out the gate firing, but other teams in most games it was just like well we both got a goal from it uh, uh, you know john how are you doing man yeah doing really well uh obviously excited to dive deep back into the all-consuming world that is the usl for me so just real quick on that point um i kind of fired up my own xg machine pretty much every game was within one expected goal like I think this is going to be a high parity year and I'm really excited to see what gives. If this year ends up being USL league one level of chaos for the championship, I'm all in on it. I will, it be frustrating. Will I be confused? Will I be scared? Yes. But I think everybody should have to experience what league one was last year. <laughs> <laughs> so Ryan, speaking of league one, Talking about that drip uh, shirt that you have on. How you doing, man? I'm doing well today. Yeah, uh, for those who are just listening to the recording, I'm wearing a Ford Madison uh, kit, and I have at least one guest host behind me as a cat who's in our studio, but uh, (laughs) she may make an appearance or she may just sit and stare. But uh, yeah, happy to get into um, a lot of just recapping USL championship action. Unfortunately, even though we had five 1-1 draws, it has broken my dream of having all teams finishing level on 34 points, each with every game being one to one. So maybe next year. But, you know, eventually, which which law is that that eventually it'll happen? Is that Murphy's? No, I think I think what Murphy's is Something about that can't happen will happen, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So eventually, eventually, like the monkey with the typewriter, the USL will create a a a complete one-one draw season. We'll get there. (laughs) Decide the championship by a drawing of lots. (laughs) Every draw, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) (laughs) Next week's episode title. Listen, last year we were seeing red cards. This year we're just seeing draws, and that's fine. <laughs> um, 
uh, let's go ahead and talk about the week that was because we're, what we're going to do this year is we're going to only preview five matches, five to six matches, because more, normally we kind of talk about the match that was with those anyway, and doing 10 just made some of these episodes really long um, and a lot of repeating things. But we do want to talk about some matches. And in order to get us into one of these matches, which was probably the most entertaining match of the weekend, we're going to show you what was on our Twitter account, um, which is our USL Tactics show by, well, USL Tactics. And um, we're going to uh, get into this and have him explain the uh, USL Championship, basically, and what happened uh, in this Monterey Bay versus Hartford match. Hello and welcome Please to the tell first me if you guys edition of the USL Tactics show for 2023. Every Tuesday, I'll break down a big player or tactic can you that define the weekend. So let's get down to it with Alex Dixon and Monterey Bay FC. They crushed Hartford 5-3 to three in an opening week, and it was really founded upon that hat trick from Alex Dixon, the new signing that Monterey added from Pittsburgh this offseason. Uh, they changed their formation from a much more defensive sort of 4-1-4-1, often seen last year, into more of a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1, headline by Dixon up top. How did it make the difference and take advantage of that Hartford shape? There were a lot of long balls, a lot of direct play, but they all took advantage and they made smart runs that leveraged Hartford's use of one single defensive midfielder. Dixon comes in from right towards the left, cutting behind that lone midfielder, and that's how he got his first goal, in addition to some defensive mistakes. You're seeing the same thing here, though. Monterey plays and advances into the final third, where they're able to settle into possession because of that single DM effect. Meanwhile, within the box, Sam Gleadle and Dixon are just probing around, finding space, finding gaps between defenders, and really effectively getting on to the end of this cross that you're going to see in a moment from Max Glasser. This is the sort of thing that Monterey lacked last year. I'm a fan of what Christian Valeski adds, but Dixon is an elite scorer in the box in these scenarios. Finally, Dixon ended with a penalty, but once again, you're seeing the same thing. Direct play from Monterey, Hartford can't cope, and the speed of Gleedle, the speed of Boone, and Dixon's poise are able to carry this team into situations where they are putting Hartford in jail. Dixon is going to convert the penalty in a second here, capping off a really wonderful debut. And this is a Monterey Bay team that you should be paying attention to. If they can figure out the offense in addition to a elite, elite defensive core, they really could cause trouble in the West. So basically, um, it's time for people to finally jump on the hype train with me. This Monterey Bay was the team that I said it was my dark horse to win it all. Um, and I get it. It's the first game of the season. I, I get it. But this is also not the same team as last year that would not score any goals and was struggling defensively. As John said, and I'm going to let him jump into it, defeat the you know elite defensive pairing and some of the best strikers and offensive you know firepower they can get. It's usually a decent recipe. There were times when you got to the end of last season where Monterey would put in a very strong defensive performance. And whenever they got a goal, it sort of felt lucky. Like they were just lobbing it up in the direction of Gleedle and Boone and relying on the pace to hopefully generate something. Dixon is the piece that adds a little bit more class, a little bit more quality to what they're doing. He's allowed them to change up the shape in a way that's really effective. 
Um, I'm just a fan of what he adds within this team. And granted, Hartford is pretty much designed to be vulnerable to what Monterey was bringing. I thought that they had a completely shambolic game in defense, honestly, in a lot of ways. But if Monterey can keep up this style of play, the technical level that they brought, they're going to get results against teams that are much better in defense as well. And what was surprising from Hartford last year, despite all of their uh, struggles, they never had a match where they conceded more than three goals in a game. And you have to go all the way back to 2020, the 10th game of that season, that truncated shortened season, where they lost 5-0 to Pittsburgh to find the last time that they conceded five goals in a match, whereas Monterey Bay had that 5-0 victory over Indy 11 last season where they got five of their own. I I I got to say, like... I think Monterey Bay, obviously, they look sharper. And to John's point, like, I think there is an element of they've created these goals rather than than Hartford um, necessarily or them having like an element of luck. I will say that I'm hesitant to jump on the bandwagon yet because Hartford did really play poorly, like um and they scored five from all five shots on target like i know the one the you know regardless like one's an own goal so technically only four of their shots on target went in but anyways like i i think the more troubling ass or maybe the more um the takeaway that i'm taking from this game is maybe not so much positive on monterey as like deeply deeply concerning for hartford um to come out and be so all over the place um, in the first game of the season. Like you'd expect some maybe dysfunction in the team, but this was just like next level. Um, They just were, were awful in, in a lot of these defensive situations. So the project at Hartford is not off to a great start when there was a lot of hype uh, considering the signings they made this, this off season. Yeah. And here's the thing though. Uh, my a big takeaway for me with Hartford was something that I mentioned on the show several times, and I've mentioned it a few times um, other places. I'm not going to say that this is going to be the uh, this is all of the goalkeepers' fault, but there's a couple of those goals that I do think Joe Rice stops. I well, think I've been, that, I've been yeah I've been on this bandwagon with you of Richard Sanchez is a bad goalkeeper like they started center backs that aren't good at defending we were harping on it a lot i think we were negative more negative than the consensus on this team but man we were very right if that week was any indication yeah the fourth i mean the fourth he never like that should never go in um yeah and yeah for it to basically be squeezed under him at the near post is yeah it's just shocking stuff and I am all in on that Joe Rice could be one of the best goalkeepers in the league if given a chance to start. Not saying the best, I'm not saying that, but it could be in that conversation. And yet they went with what was comfortable, even though what's comfortable made everybody uncomfortable to watch. Um, you know, I was gonna have a segue from you know from the chat, but I decided to go somewhere else because um we had a different match that happened this weekend that 
was kind of strange. Uh, San Diego Loyal only scored one goal and didn't concede any, which I don't know. It feels like we were actually watching Detroit City and not San Diego um, to talk about that. Alan, hey. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with speaking of uh, awkward and and so. <laughs> like looking, looking dapper, though. Yeah, I just got oh, good. I literally just got in the house. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a it was weird. But I think talking with the coach Nate Miller after the game, where he's like the team really focused on trying to play team defense, it's not shocking that your offensive uh, game plan is not clicking. Same thing with your your shifting who your strikers are after the season starts uh, is going to lead to some issues as well. But um, yeah, the defense looked pretty decent. Uh, Detroit City is not exactly the most offensive team in the league, so there's that to say as well. And it'll be interesting to see when Phoenix comes to town who has a little bit more offensive firepower with a guy like Danny Trejo, which you will see what he was able to do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how well they handle Phoenix in, in San Diego. Uh, I expect it to get better, but day games in San Diego, if you look up the record, are not good for San Diego. They don't win in day games in San Diego. It's wild. But I'm glad to be here. Like I guess like a attacking midfielder, I'm making a late run into the box. Uh, <laughs> and like a 19-year-old center back, I'm putting the most amazing volley to uh, win the game. So uh, shout out to Simba and his water bottle celebration because they yeah. couldn't give him beer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it was one heck of a volley. Just, uh, I mean, it was a any other week. That's a goal of the week winner. Um, you know, I do want to just bring up this real quick goal of the week discussion. Um, I am, I, I understand that Lamar, you know, Hey, 25 day contract, you know, center back scores, probably the goal of his life. I want to throw this out there. I don't think anybody is going to catch a ball cleaner than below did this weekend. I think that's the goal of the year. I know the bicycle is sexy, but I don't think you're going to see a better strike all year than below had against Tulsa. I mean, I don't, have, I don't have a disagreement. It's a banger. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was gross. <laughs> it's funny because the one getting the more attention is the goal from his own half. Uh, like, Bautista's, the yeah. Yeah. Where I, my favorite part of that is that he actually holds his hand up in apology, like that he overhit the pass and then it goes in. Um, that was, that was probably the funniest moment of the weekend for me. Is that the yeah. best goal or the worst goalkeeping? Because like he swat, like he could get to it. He like swats at it, but he like misses. The like, skill. If, I, if that was me, I that's what I would have done. I'm like, oh. the still, <laughs> the still, the still frame of poor Blanchette just laying there <laughs> next to the goal, just 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 laying there for like five full seconds as he just like soaks in. Oh no, that just that just went in. So as a goalkeeper, which one's worse, that goal or the goal where it's like you go to save it and you tip it off of the post and it bounces back off of like your head and in? Yeah. It has to be the one that you swat at because at the because whenever you're a goalkeeper, you know, you're trying to sometimes you obviously want to tip it over the bar, but a tip onto the bar is usually usually a success because it normally doesn't tip back at your head. You just feel silly. But swatting at a ball like it's a gnat and then failing, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, at this pace, we're going to have a goalkeeper score from their own half this year. 
I mean, we already had Joe Kosminski last year go to, you know, get in the box and score. And uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Omaha's keeper last year who scored uh, one that his XG was point zero 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 one. It was – I think you're right. I'm okay. blanking now um, because I don't think it was their normal keeper that started that game. Oh, right. It, it was weird. Anyway, um, speaking of scoring goals, um, listen, as we all predicted for the second year in a row, uh, Loudon was the first team to score um, in the USL season. As we all thought, the people's champions are back. Um, and whenever – I think there was a quote that came from Stephen Glass um, after the match uh, from Memphis's uh, new head coach. Uh, I think he said that um, on the re- results, he said, I won't lie, I'm pretty devastated. Or wait, was that somebody else? I don't remember. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> um, oh, man. <laughs> I would like to say I was the only one of our predictors to take um, or sorry, to take Loudon in that opening game, and I backed them from the start. So uh, I, I think they're going to win the Club World Cup in about two years. <laughs> <laughs> you heard um, it here first. Loudon's promotion. Do you know? Here's the thing for me: is that it's not even just the fact that you know the Goodrum situation happened, and then for them to fall flat like that. I didn't realize it until Trent uh, slid into my DMs and showed me. Or slid into my uh, mentions on Twitter. I didn't realize it is they spelled his name wrong. They didn't even call him Goodrum. It was Goodum. That's mm-hmm. incredible. I love everything about that. The fact that they misspelled his name after he said he was devastated. On one hand, it was probably you know just a quick job that they tried to get out quick. On the other hand, it definitely feels like it was on purpose. <laughs> they they briefly considered uh, putting bad rum on the <laughs> back of the kit. And decided instead just to go with the very the very nuanced good. Um, (laughs) Just to hit on the game, like tactically, that was a mess from Memphis. Everything that they did last year, where you, I mean, and granted there were some injuries. I think missing uh, Leston Paul in the middle forced Aaron Malloy to play much more defensively and take on more responsibility, and that limited what he could do as a creator. But some, I mean, putting Rashawn Dolly at fullback when he's always been a striker was bizarre and it hurt them immediately. At the same time, like they completely lost the principles that made them so good under Ben Pierman. They weren't pressing. They were so direct out of the back and didn't control the game. Loudon ended up kind of shelling and parking the bus halfway through and it came back to bite them a little bit. But when Loudon was taking it to Memphis, they were the better side by a mile. And that has to be concerning if you're Memphis 901 in your first game under a new manager. I have, I guess I have two things on this. And I said it preseason. And again, first game, I can't say that I was right for anything, right? But I didn't believe in their defense last year. I thought it was borderline Swiss cheese. And I thought it got worse this year. And I know that I got a little bit of pushback for that. But also, part of what made the defense decent last year was the fact that they could outpress anybody and win the ball before it ever got to their back line. I, I just fear that they lost a lot of that. They, you know, players came back expecting their coach to be back and then he's not. And it just looked awful. Um, also, can we just, is surely Cassidy is going to get his red card rescinded right surely he's not going to get actual banned for getting his head massaged and then swatting and not even hitting someone 
Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of tough because I feel like USL's had a lower bar around overturning red cards than like most leagues. Like most often it's just like if there was contact, you know, then is what it is. USL has had a track record of overturning this sort of stuff. But I don't know. For me, it's like it's borderline enough in real time to say like, yeah, I get why like he showed red, but you know, I guess, I don't know. We'll see, but I wouldn't necessarily like rescind it just for the, like, yeah, it's soft, but I don't know that it's like such a shocking decision when he throws his hand back, like towards the dude's face. So I I guess where I come from is the fact that what he was having happen to him happens to me every time I get my hair cut, like he was getting in there. (laughs) <laughs> and then he tells them to knock it off. <laughs> yeah, no, that is fair. I, I think two things from this conversation is what is like, if it's not Swiss cheese and it's like almost Swiss cheese, is just, is that like just cheese with like indentations instead of holes? <laughs> I digress. I, um, I was really impressed with Loudon's ability to press and pressure the ball early on. Um, I, you know, it, it was a, are they sitting back or is it they can't maintain it for full 90 minutes? I don't think anyone probably can. And then also thinking about the length of the season is Loudon will have to pick and choose. And if it's this effective, like they're going to be able to do that, right? Like press really high, really intensely for 30 minutes, get a couple go- couple goals, get a bounce, right? One of those deflection. That's what happens when you put teams under pressure. And then they can sit back and survive a little bit. They don't have to be as pressing. But I was I was like watching that game and as a neutral being very entertained by Loudon in that first half. It was a like I had the Miami Tulsa game on my TV and Loudon on my phone, and I just stopped paying attention to the TV. I was like, this is engaging, this is fun. Uh, and so I'm excited to see what this Loudon team can do. I think with going into the game, it was like, it was a little bit unsure where, where they would be, but you know, you got to feel a little bit better about Loudon being able to be competitive. And all of a sudden there isn't this easy whipping team in the East anymore from Loudon that these are going to be real legit games that teams are going to have to take seriously. Yeah. We saw, we saw from Loudon too, like a lot of intricate attacking play. It wasn't just like set pieces, anything like that. It's like the goals they scored were, quality um some really good one touch stuff on the edge of the area especially that was it the first goal or the yeah that first goal that first goal was yeah yeah just just you know lovely stuff um from them and then i think for memphis i similar similar to hartford like but more so stephen glass like oversaw a disaster in aberdeen and so it is, you know, there's levels and it is whatever you can say it's USL championship. But at the end of the day, like if it got out of hand there, it can totally get out of hand in Memphis too. Like there's nothing really stopping that. So I think, I think glass has his work cut out for him. Um, getting I, I to, do uh, want to throw in a good word for Memphis in that missing Reese Buckmaster, who's their best defender, missing their only defensive midfielder on the roster. Yeah, which in and of itself that's problematic that you only have one and he's on the wrong side of thirty, but that's it's going to be a big deal for them when they get those players back. For yeah. sure. And speaking from one old pyramid to the near pyramid squad, 
Uh, we got Charleston uh, drawing Phoenix 1-1. Um, this was a match that towards the very end when Charleston really started going for it, it was like this is a little more even than I was expecting this to become. Um, the very beginning, especially right before and right after Phoenix scored their goal, it was like this could be a long, long day for Charleston. And then they never really seemed to quit. It seemed like they were always just right there, and they got that equalizer. And, you know, that was one of those equalizers that you see the goal, and it's like that just kind of dribbled in. But also, it should the keeper have done better? Maybe. You might be able to say that because, I mean, we did just kind of harp on, you know, Hartford for a kind of similar goal. But also just seeing Patriots point erupt was awesome, especially after the year they had last year. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a battery team who outshot Phoenix 17-5, to and it just it, it harkened back to the old Charleston teams of USL past that it just it seemed like that team that we all expected that them to be and just that really tough out though they didn't get the win this week and it's just it's something that should be encouraging for fans moving forward as they now have a very tough matchup against the sacramento side this upcoming week yeah yeah i think uh, uh, yeah go ahead oh i was just gonna say that i i think with speaking about the goalkeeper i think uh rios novo actually has like a really really good game um Mm -hmm. Like the goal aside, um, which, you know, I think there's reasons that it happens and he's reacting to a lot of like bodies in front of him, that sort of stuff. The rest of the game, like he makes some solid saves and goalkeeper goalkeeping was a question for Phoenix. And I think like they more, you know, he did rise to the occasion uh, for much of the match. Um, I see what you did there. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) and uh but charleston charleston did i like they they dominated much of the game i think they'll be frustrated that they that they didn't get a win um because they did for me they they deserved um all three points but um at the end of the day i guess phoenix have that have that danger man in danny trejo now and um he can bail you out in some tough situations because i i don't think phoenix like were particularly impressive but um, but Charleston uh, just failed to put him away. Although I think there's encouraging signs for, for Charleston. I think they look like the real deal. Here's what I will say about Rios Novos just real fast uh, before John Hobson says something more intelligent than I will. Um, there was a while that I was fully on the boat that Rios Novos was the best keeper at Atlanta, at Atlanta United. Um, I thought he was better than Brad Guzan. I thought he was better than any of the GK2s that were at Atlanta United, but Rios Novos was kind of put on the it list because he was an international um, and never really got that chance because he was young and he took up an international slot and they would rather go with someone old and American because MLS. Um, He's going to get a chance to go back to MLS. I do believe in that. I do think that goal that went in was a little soft. Uh, Like it's, it's, it's a hard one to concede after playing a great game. You know, I'm sure he's going to be disappointed watching it back. But that said, Rios Novos has amazing upside. Yeah, he. Uh, I think he got some run for the Argentine youth national team based on what they were saying on the commentary. Phoenix, kind of on the slide, gave up almost three expected goals and basically no one else was within half of an expected goal. Like they had the worst defensive performance in the league by a mile. 
they were starting a lot of new players and Guerra had them uh, switching between a 4-4-2 in defense and a 3-5-2 on the ball. So they were really not connected well in those transitions. And to an extent that hurt them when they got possession. I think Trejo in particular, who was moving from more of a forward role uh, to basically like the right winger in the 4-4-2, was really struggling to find the ball in transition, which is part of what makes his game so special. And then you saw the effect where he gets the goal when he finally gets to play as the striker. So things to figure out for Phoenix. I think they'll take that point pretty much guaranteed because they didn't deserve it. But a lot to like from that Charleston performance. And I think that Phoenix defense, like we talked about it in the preseason preview, that that was the big question mark hanging over that team. And it definitely still is after that performance in Charleston. I mean, they ship out what, like essentially two starting 11s and they bring in two starting 11s. Like it also like remembering like early San Diego, I think, I don't think Phoenix fans will appreciate this comparison, but it reminded me a lot of that. Whereas possession for possession's sake, they were kicking around the back. They were like holding onto the ball, but weren't really doing a lot with it. Um, I do think that there's, there's some upside for Phoenix, right? They have, some talented players that they just need some time to put it together. You're, you're dealing with some type of complex system. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think Charlotte looked very positive as well. Oh, not Charlotte. Charleston looked very positive as well. Oof. Charlotte is not looking positive in MLS, by the way, different team. <laughs> uh, but I, again, I was watching this, this game being very entertained by the way the battery was playing. Uh, and, if you can get one more shot to go in and maybe this is going to be the problem with them is just their finishing. They can create as many chances as they want, but they got to find guys to put it in the back of the net consistently. Um, yeah. And and not looking forward to seeing Danny Trejo. Yeah. And th- that's what makes Phoenix dangerous, right? This is like the orange County of two years ago where you had Ronaldo Damas up top that if you were down a goal or you were, you were draw, like you were, it was a draw. Like he could just one moment of brilliance and all of a sudden you're, losing or you're dropping points. And that's what Danny Trejo can bring if they can figure out him, how to use him in the system. You just had uh, to shoehorn Damas into the conversation. Speaking of making... Oh, it's just a rumor. That. Oh, wait, it's confirmed now. It was just a rumor. Yeah, that was I, a joke. Like, that was just a rumor. To, just just a rumor. had to shoehorn Damas in. Like, had to find a way to get it into the conversation. Speaking I thought Dom Dwyer that, was the rumor. <laughs> just a rumor, Bella. Yeah, wait, what happened to USL Insider? I missed that guy. <laughs> yeah. My mentions I will are say, pretty clear. Uh, I guess the last thing on Phoenix is they do have a tough run of games ahead to get all of this figured out. I mean, you have Loyal back-to-back, Birmingham, Monterey Bay, and San Antonio in these next few games that there is not an easy let-up match ahead of them, and it could be a very tough opening uh, month for them. Well, if Birmingham can't find a, a midfielder that can pass the ball forward, I think they'll be fine. Um Anyway, um, concession stands. Hey, we got food trucks now, babe. Um, <laughs> yeah, you up food trucks are back. Um, but it was bad. Like people were waiting in line for legit 50 minutes for a pretzel and beer. 50 minutes for pretzel and beer. Like that's, that's I am shout to them, I guess. But um, so speaking of Phil um, and bringing you down, I'm sorry. Um, El Paso loses uh one nil uh to Sacramento, but I think this kind of 
goes again to the point I made preseason. I really like this El Paso defense. I just wasn't sure where the goals came were going to come from. And that's kind of what I saw in watching this match. I really like the defense and I'm not sure where the goals are going to come from. Yeah, it was a it was a little bit of a strange one. I think El Paso's attacking depth is was was kind of found out not found out but it was shown like hey this is an area that we've talked about you we probably need a guy like a difference maker um lucha solignac misses out um through through a knock uh peter petrovich who was like their one other attacking signing from from sweden he he uh misses out with a knock um Ricardo Zacharias is a like high energy all action sort of forward but he does lack that little bit of like next level quality in terms of converting chances and it was his chance three minutes in that basically like swung the game um <laughs> like Sacramento's way because you know if El Paso do take the lead there it really changes the shape of of everything if Sacramento's chasing um and I think that aside like the um the flow of the game and like how things played out I was encouraged for one main reason, and that is like the chaos of last season is clearly like being pushed out of the team in terms of like, yeah, like there may be some games that are maybe a little bit more cagey, a little bit less like all action, you know, um, it's not going to be any five fours against Vegas, hopefully, um, but like the way that they controlled this match, the way that they the way that they set up. Um, it is a big change of pace for locomotive fans, I think, watching. Um, but it it is going to now be about like creating those couple of high quality chances and and converting them, um, which to me is a much better foundation to work off of than uh, what they did last season, which was just attack and go absolutely like hell for leather for ninety minutes and get beat most of the time. Um, here Sacramento was pretty limited in in like their attacking chances and really the goal comes from a loss of possession in midfield which is like how Sacramento would draw it up they win possession in midfield quickly find Rodrigo Lopez who finds Dan Gurr who drills across uh back across the the six yard box which as locomotive lost the ball they're all chasing back and facing their own goal trying to defend that cross which is the worst possible way to defend that cross and it goes in and Russell Cicerone I mean the guy that Sacramento brought in to do this for them um gets his his goal on his debut um but really for me it was like a game of two chances one big one that El Paso misses early and then one big one that Sacramento puts away um and that is the difference and I'm much as an El Paso fan I'm much uh more satisfied with that being the margin than like needing oxygen at the end of the game and being like, what the hell was that? I don't understand what's happening. Um, I think it's clear that Claire Howard has like a style and he's, he is doing a pretty good job of, of implementing it. Um, and it'll just be about, can they like, I don't know. I think they have to, I think they still probably have to look at the, uh, at the market for, for an attacker. Um, Cause I do think they're pretty thin and Lucha Solignac is getting up there in years so his availability is going to be it's going to come in a premium and we'll see we'll see what he, you know he's able to do but yeah they missed him in this one yeah and at the same time like that's how you draw it up if you're sacramento on the slide starting 
I think four or five new players, which was somewhat unexpected, uh, especially in the central midfield. Matt Lagrassa was displaced, and they looked every bit as organized defensively as you would have expected, given what they did last season. Uh, Cicerone had some good moments, both in the press and generating his own shot, which is something that you never saw from someone like Akeko in that same uh, uh, deployment that uh, Cicerone had in this game. Do you like the fact that you had less than 40% possession if you're Sacramento? Probably not. Are you going to take that result every single time because you played your game? It didn't bleed really bad chances. I would say so. So we have one last match that we were going to talk about. Um, and it was uh, John's Indy 11 versus uh, also John's Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, you know, I, to save time, I don't really know how much to say here besides um, this was a win every day of the year for Tampa Bay. Um, and then the ref added like three yards to the box in one particular area. Um, I I feel like Indy was in the game. I feel like they could have got a point out of it, but also felt like there were – I never felt like they were in danger of scoring either. It was a weird match that a draw seems fair, but also unfair at the same time. Maybe I'm completely misreading what I watched. Indy got the better of the XG slightly. I would say that they probably had the more dangerous chances consistently, but when you're down one nothing in the 97th minute and you're getting a terrible call, you didn't deserve to get a point, probably, because that's just what happened on the field, that stats be damned. Yeah. It is an interesting thing, though, that the Jake Ehrman goal comes at a time when Indy was like they almost score at one end uh, like yeah. they probably should score. Um, there's a like a, a very uh, good chance at one end and then they immediately concede. So there is something to be said where I think like Indy had probably the better of the play, but definitely uh Lowry ball like the goal scoring is always the last thing that clicks um so I don't know I think I mean they'll definitely at you know at 96 minutes when when you're one nil down you certainly you bite somebody's hand off for a point um but the uh but yeah I think overall they can be encouraged by going to going to L Lang and putting in what was a uh, I what I would describe as a very solid performance and um they did deserve something out of the game they just didn't deserve that penalty yeah I mean, and just real quick before we move on um that airman goal is only happening because Indy had to collapse onto JJ Williams and Cal Jennings in the box and that left him wide open at the far post that is such an immediate obvious effect of a really good offseason for this Rowdies team so they're going to be dynamite I want to play a little bit of devil's advocate with like it was still a foul. Yes. Right? Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. So yeah. If, he, if he doesn't foul, he's in on goal and there's a possible goal. Right. There's a foul. There's a free kick from a dangerous area that could also result in a goal. Like, I don't think like, oh, you got a penalty. So it like the, the draw is undeserved. Like, I think that's like we forget that there are multitude of outcomes that could have happened if that wasn't a penalty that could have also resist like resulted in a goal being scored. I get that a penalty is like a higher XG than anything you would get from any other opportunity, but let's not take away the fact that 
Indy 11 had an opportunity to tie it up in the run of play and Forrest Lasso fouled the guy like pretty blatantly fouled him. Right. And so if he gets in, like who's saying that he doesn't beat the goalkeeper and score. Right. Like I understand that the penalty is a little bit like, okay, he was fouled outside the box. I'm sure the AR saw it as a continuation into the box, which is what he was probably calling. Like I get all of those things. But let's not take away for the fact that Indy 11 was putting somewhat like enough pressure that it could have resulted in a goal regardless. So like you, you, you can't take away the penalty and it's not a foul either. Right. You have a dangerous free kick in a dangerous area that could have resulted in something. I will say though, I will say though for that free kick where that is, I think, I mean, obviously they'll take the free kick over the penalty. I don't think that's that mind blowing, but I also think they'll take that free kick in that spot over the one that's five yards back because it is so hard to get that ball down, like up and over the wall and down. But they got Jack, they got Jack Blake and Jack Blake is known for bangers on free kicks. But from that close, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's just the fact that it's so close that it's so hard to get there. I mean, they do. That's right. true. Um, let's go on to the upcoming matches that we are predicting. And we're going to start with League One because League One is back. And we've spent 40 minutes talking about the championship and no one cares. Um, let's talk. About- <laughs> no one. Absolutely no one. Um, I want to talk- go ahead and start off with the most interesting matchup that you're probably going to get all year long. And it's North Carolina FC versus South Georgia Tormenta. Um, this is the reigning champions who brought back a good core that lost a lot of you know defensive pieces and lost some good midfield pieces. But Tormenta going to Tormenta promote through the youth system. They're going to sell them for a million dollars because that's Tormenta, babe. And then North Carolina went out and bought every attacking player that's ever breathed. They went out and got a really good defense, and their midfield was already solid last year anyway. And, oh, yeah, they have young stud Nick Holiday still between the sticks. Don't forget about him. This is a really good North Carolina FC team that our friends at Walking 90, a lot of them think that they're going to win it all versus George, South Georgia Tormenta, who's another team that they think is going to win it all. We are already seeing a potential like title match in game one. So I am going to just drop it over. Well, let's drop it to Ryan because you're wearing the League One shirt. So, uh, Ryan. Even just looking back at some of the historical uh, results from the 2022 season, we forget that North Carolina actually beat Tormenta in that opening match of the year 1-0 and, uh, down in Tormenta. And that I it really think that this matchup is going to be something that we'll see a rematch in the postseason this year, but I'm going to back North Carolina to get the result in this one and start off the year strong. All right, let's hop up to John. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the players that North Carolina brought. Oh, no, he's dead. Whereas, uh, I could go on and on. Oh, rest am I lagging? On. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll come back to you. We'll come back to you, Phil. Um, yeah, I mean, for all the reasons that you guys mentioned, they've made a lot of impressive signings. A um, couple of championship guys dropping down um, for for North Carolina. And uh, I have found 
and this may be a boring approach, but I have found the best way to predict League One is to pick the team that is playing at home because that is how it works. So I'm picking North Carolina to take this one, but no, I, I, I do like the guys that they've, that they've brought in. They've got some, some really interesting, some really interesting pieces. Um, and a uh, handful of sad wolves, like alumnus alumni uh, floating around. So yeah, it'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting matchup. I love Tormenta, you know, one time locomotive linked manager, Ian Cameron, so um, egg salad legend, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, no, I uh, I I love what they do, but um, but no, I'm picking North Carolina because they are playing at home and it's League One, and that's how it works. That's and that fair. is something they will have to improve upon their home form from last season. They had five wins at home all year, but hopefully, with these improvements they've made over the course of the off season, that's something that will at least look a little bit better this year. And, you know, we're going to get to some of the league uh, one talk with, uh, you know, Chattanooga when they kick off later next week. Um, but I think people are going to be a little shocked of where Chattanooga is as well. But we'll get to that next week. Um, Alan. Yes. What do you North think? North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay. I mean, yeah, I'm going with Tormenta here. Um, it it's kind of the same idea of you're you're the Kings until you're not the Kings. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. And Tormenta just kind of restocked. They retooled. They did what they do. And they, st- <laughs> they still have really good players. And, you know, probably some guys that are just going to be up there to win it all. In, like all again. They're just going to run it back because they're just a machine, man. Um, next up, uh, we are going to be talking about one Knox versus Lexington, which I really feel bad that our Lexington, uh, Lexington Luther is not here to talk about it. Um, and, uh, W90 is walking 90, go subscribe. Um, but you know, Lexington Luther is not here. He's really high on Lexington. Um, of course our own Tyler Crane, uh, one Knox went out and signed the, basically just championship people they went and signed everybody who's ever played for mckeever they and then they brought in people that know his system they know everything about it and they know about league one that said it's the conversation of do you want to go all in bring in players or do you want to bring in local talent that's willing to play for a city because there is something about that too um, this is a really interesting matchup. And, oh, these two cities hate each other because basketball and college football exist. So the rivalry is already there. Um, so it's a really exciting matchup. I'm really excited to see how this one goes. Alan, you look like you have a comment you want to make. I, I, just, class. I just don't pay attention that much to college basketball. So I was doing geography really quick. I was like, wait, <laughs> Kentucky. Okay, Trying to work Kentucky. out which college. I think it's I-70. Is it I-75 that connects the two? Or is it Knoxville, Tennessee? Like, so Tennessee? <laughs> I, I just know. don't like Tennessee because they play like that one song over and over and over again. And so I just. Oh. I, the song well, that isn't their fight song? Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. Don't Stop Believing. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> my my fiance, who is also an Alabama grad, looked at me uh, with a disdained face when you mentioned the song that shall not be named. So. I'm with you. 
Like I went and watched minor league baseball in like nowhere, Tennessee, and they were even playing it. It was like everywhere. You're like, can we get like a second song, please? Just like one more, just one more. I also wish I was on old Rocky top, to be honest, um, down in the Tennessee Hills, because you can be on top down in the Hills because the Hills are in the Valley. Cause that's what the song means. Cause that makes sense. I mean, Whatever. it matches the show logo or mountains and valleys. Uh, that's true. Also, one Knox really did just take Greenville's kit. Like, it's not even any different. They just slapped a one Knox logo on it, which is nice. But come on, guys. But, you know, before we talk about, you know, I guess we could talk about all this and we can have uh, Tyler talk about it all. Um, how about who's winning this thing? Uh, John, you're back and alive. Yeah, I'm back. I'm on 4G on my phone, but I'm so committed to yeah throwing some hate uh, Tyler's way because I think One Knox is going to take this pretty easily. <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of the squad that Knox has put together. Like Sean Lewis in goal, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of the USL Championship guys they've brought in. There are some interesting pieces that they got from college and whatnot. Lexington is going to be a good team in a couple of years, and I think they're doing it the right way to support soccer in Lexington going forward and being sustainable, but that's not going to pay off in year one, in my estimation. I, uh, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. My bad. We're just going to go for it. Order. We look you got it. So go ahead, Phil. You got it. Oh, uh, I'm also going with one Knox because... I don't want to fall behind in predictions. So I think almost everyone <laughs> went with that. So I'm also going with that. You're in a podium spot right now. Right? You got to pick strategically as well, right? You got to get that strategy in there. <laughs> but um, I picked uh, one Knox as well. And like Geo and our predictor, we both locked this game as our just uh, lock of the week. And I will at least give credit to Tyler who is going the Geo Greenville route and is locking Lexington to win this game. And I just feel like, it, especially when you schedule these early season Derby Day matchups, it can really just galvanize the support in a crowd. If Oxville can come out and just pick up that crucial win over their rivals in the league, it could really just electrify, to use a Kaler word, you know, the atmosphere of that town. And, and it could really just kind of send the momentum forward for the rest of the year so i have knoxville winning in a lock phil i've got i've got knoxville winning as well um because of this strong squad long term over the over the course of the season i think this is going to have central valley fuego vibes in terms of the championship players that got brought in and it's maybe not going to be a big uh hit the whole year um but i think they get it done against lexington so I've seen some of the film to come out of the one Knox, some of the one Knox uh, preseason friendlies and some of the chat or some of the Lexington preseason friendlies. And you know what? I believe in Lexington a little bit more. One Knox has the talent, but I believe in the system that uh, Sam Stockley has in place a little bit more than McKeever. I think McKeever, I think this one Knox team is going to be more successful this season I think coming into this match, Lexington has a little bit of a hotter hand, and I like where their system is already set up. I'm going with Lexington on this one. Um, we are going to go ahead and move 
on if I can find where in the heck we are. Um, we are going to go ahead and go back to the championship because there's not that many League One matches. It's opening weekend with not that many matches. A little bit disappointed with only you know three during before our next show. Um, so we're going to go down to Sacramento versus Charleston. And we're going to start off with Phil. Yeah, I uh, have to consult my picks. Yeah, I went with Sacramento mainly because Charleston is obviously going cross country. And I think ever since we've started this like interconference play, we've seen road teams do struggle um, when they have to go coast to coast. Um, but all of that being said, I think Sacramento are built um, for this sort of this sort of game because Charleston, we saw them like not at their sharpest uh, on the attacking end um, and get blunted by Phoenix. I think Sacramento are a much better defensive team. Well, that's whatever stating the obvious Sacramento are a much better defensive team than Phoenix by a long shot. Um, and I think Charleston will struggle to break them down. Sacramento with Cicerone have proven goal scorers. I think they get it done. Ryan. Yeah, I, you can't overstate how difficult it is to go cross-country and get a result. We saw that with Hartford going to Monterey Bay this past week. If you look back from last season, this was a Charleston Battery team who only won one game away from home all year, and it took them until, I think, double-digit road games to get that result, and it was against one of the worst teams in the league that season. And you compare that to a Sacramento Republic team who just had two defeats at home all last season, ironically one being against an Eastern Conference team in Birmingham, who went out there, but yeah, I just, I think you can't overstate how important it is just for travel and attrition of players, but I think Sacramento get this victory. Alan? I I wanted to pick battery. I really did. Like I put it in, like I typed it in and I'm like, ah, but it's in Sacramento. I think if these were switched, I would, I would have picked the other way. I, I liked the way that, that the battery played. Uh, but I think Sacramento is just a tough place to play, uh, even if you're a good team. So I, I regretted it, but I picked Sacramento to be on the safe side. But my heart is with the battery and hoping that they can start to revive themselves as a franchise. The shade, even if you're a good team. <laughs> John. Yeah, I went draw here. I think, obviously, the home and away is going to matter to an extent. I really liked what um, Charleston did defensively in that last game. I know we talked about uh, Phoenix looked like they were possessing for possession's sake. That's because the battery's high press was really effective at stifling them in buildup. And they're playing this 4-3-3 where basically you've got Fidel Barajas, who's 17 years old on one wing, and Nick uh, Markanik on the other wing, who just signed out of college, and both of them looked like they had been running a Ben Pierman press for years. That's only going to improve. Uh, they've got the talent to, and that matches up well with the back three for Sacramento. So I think they're going to create some trouble for them. And obviously, that's not Sacramento's game, but I think this is going to be a chippy one. I lean Charleston if somebody gets a win, but I think it's going to be a draw at the end of the day. I think it's going to be a draw as well, but if we're going for my picks, um, I refuse to pick draws. I only pick winner's bed. Um, so I'm going Charleston, or not Charleston, excuse me, Sacramento, because I 
I really believe in the back line. I believe in the attack. I I just kind of believe in what Briggs does. And I mean, Sacramento is one of the hardest places to play in the league. And for like for the same reason that you mentioned, John, these are young guys who have not got a lot of professional experiences, who have not been to a place like Sacramento. They just haven't. And that first, you know, cross country trip, maybe they've done it before, but never when they're getting paid. <laughs> you know, it really does. There is something different about it. And I think the experience at home for Sacramento is going to be what pushes them over the top. I'm taking Sacramento, but I do think it's going to be a draw. Um, next up, we have one of the sneaky, more interesting matchups of the weekend that I am super excited about, and that's going to be Monterey Bay versus Louisville City. Uh, Monterey Bay that beat Louisville City last year. Phil? I... Uh... Acknowledging that Monterey Bay did did get one over on Louisville last year, I think uh, I think Louisville will get it done. Um, I've got them. I've got them winning. I almost I almost locked this one. I think the only thing from Monterey Bay's performance that uh, gives me pause about Louisville going there and getting a result were the three goals they conceded. Um, and I don't think that they can do that against Louisville and win. Um, I don't think they'll score five. Clip this and, you know, free, <laughs> freezing freezing cold takes yeah. when Monterey put five on Louisville. But, yeah. Ryan? Yeah, I think there's, uh, while it's notable to uh, look at Monterey Bay getting a result over Louisville last season, that was a Monterey Bay win that came in Louisville's worst stretch of the year that season with uh, three losses and four at the time. So I do think that's something that's kind of at least put an asterisk behind. But yeah, it's just, I don't think you can give Louisville that many chances at goal like they gave Hartford and expect to come away with a result. If you're looking at uh, games from last year was the actually game right before they played uh, Monterey Bay last season, a three to four defeat against Los Dos that I think was one of the few times Louisville scored multiple goals in a match and didn't come away with something in it. So I'm going to be taking Louisville City to win this one. Yeah, I can, I can imagine like a second minute red card for Louisville and then the Monterey Bay puts up five and then feels like, ah. Um, <laughs> I, I think I do think that five is going to be one of those overreaction of the first week. Like it looks sexy on paper um, and it looks surprising on paper. Uh, but I, I, I just, I think Lou City has it too much for them. Um, they're, they're good. And I do believe that Monterey Bay is going to be a successful team this season uh and uh it's just i don't think it's going to be as successful in this match so i went with louisville would you say if this was monterey bay's seven or if last week was monterey bay's seven no victory over man united this week is their uh nil one loss to bournemouth <laughs> god damn it i quit <laughs> <laughs> Getting back from, away from the fake league that Ryan is acknowledging, the one that doesn't exist on this show. Um, <laughs> um, John? Yeah, Louisville on the sly had a really bad game against Orange County. Like the advanced stats, just pure shot numbers, lean towards them maybe being outplayed. 
at the same time, missing Wilson Harris, missing Ray Serrano. There were a lot of things that were going against them. Being on the road in Orange County to start the year, um, I think it was Danny Cruz who was starting about or uh, talking about the effect of a 10 p.m. start time. Either way, they're going to be a little bit more accustomed to the scenario that they're in this week. I think they're the better team, even if I'm really high on Monterey. So I went with Louisville. Yeah, so I'm also going Louisville, but here's the thing i you mentioned you know wilson being out um and even then you know it's still kind of the death taxes cameron lancaster you know situation but i also think that this is a back line that i think that can handle this attack i believe that monterey bay can really do some you know, do some defensive damage, if you will, against this attack. I mean, Brian OB is a dude, but he also kind of picked up a knock that was kind of talked about as well, about how he had a deep gash in his foot and how he played on. Something tells me he's not going to get that kind of treatment uh, now that they know it exists. Um, Lancaster, I mean, he doesn't, I mean, he went 80 something minutes in the match, but also, Will he do that again? I'm not sure. You know, Mushigalusa is good, but like he kind of is hit or miss at times. Obviously, this is a stacked Louisville team, but I also think that this is a kind of a matchup that may actually kind of lend itself to Monterey Bay. But at some point, you just need to kind of go with, you know, the class of the class, and Louisville is that. So I'm going to take Louisville to win, but do not be shocked by a Monterey Bay. Uh, victory. Um, and last but not least, um, I'm sure we'll be the least toxic uh, fan bases um, on Twitter. Um, and that will be San Diego Loyal versus the Phoenix Rising. Um, speaking of toxicity, um, Alan. <laughs> uh, thanks, I guess. I mean, that going from like a Detroit lead in. Wait a minute. Right. I was like going <laughs> opening your season against Detroit and then moving to Phoenix is like Twitter wars opening two games. And then San Diego Loyal gets to open Phoenix's stadium for them as well. Um, Most terminally online fan bases. <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> I, if I think we could have like, had Phoenix, Cincinnati, and Detroit all in the USL at the same time, that would have been what what really put the nail in the coffin for Twitter. They thought about it, but, and that's when pictures stopped loading on Twitter. They just broke Twitter. <laughs> like, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Um, I think this is going to be, it's going to be a tough test for San Diego, right? Like they're, they're claiming they worked on their defense first. And so Phoenix is going to be a step up from Detroit as far as attack is concerned. Uh, and then the concern about scoring goals for San Diego is they only scored one, which is like enough to win, but, might not be enough to get anything out of a game against Phoenix if Phoenix starts to put some things together, right? Uh, Danny Trejo has burned San Diego plenty of times when he played for a worse team in Las Vegas uh, compared to a, this Phoenix team. I, I think the rivalry on the field is not going to feel as the same with as many players leaving, uh, but I think the fan bases still feel it. Um, I wasn't entirely impressed with Phoenix last weekend, uh, but I do think Phoenix is going to turn out to be a pretty solid playoff team if they can put their pieces together. And so, like, you don't want to be the team that Phoenix puts it together against first. Um, and so this is going to be a nice early test for both teams to kind of see actually where they are. I think uh, 
Oil's back line is going to have their work cut out for them. Um, and then, you know, can San Diego take advantage of uh, maybe a not consistent back line for Phoenix and maybe get their offense going? So it's really going to be who can uh, put together a good run of form. Um, I did not lock this one because other people did. And I got I get really nervous anytime Phoenix plays San Diego. It's just it's like Oakland, too. Right. It's like any game against San Diego versus Oakland. I'm just like, I can I just not pick that one? Um <laughs> It should be it should be an entertaining match, uh, but I went with loyal because if I don't, the uh, the chairman will come after me on Sunday. <laughs> he, yeah, he won't really. He won't really. I'm safe. I'm safe. If I <laughs> if I say what I think, I will be suspended. <laughs> if I speak, <laughs> um, yeah, I have I have loyal winning this one, and I have it locked, which uh, I. I think Phoenix's defensive performance against Charleston is just like it's giving last season. Like it was, it was not good. Um, and I think it's, I think it's enough to, to not buy Phoenix yet. Um, as a, the, the comeback is not complete until I see them put together like a complete controlled performance. Um, and everything's just been kind of, leaning chaos um and as i said at the top of the show with el paso like i'm glad that it's gone from el paso and i think phoenix is going to continue to suffer a little bit because of it ryan yeah i picked sandy or yeah san diego to win this one as well but one of the things that i think is really interesting with that one and alan you had mentioned it was uh phoenix or San Diego traveling to Phoenix to open up the rising stadium for this year. But San Diego has a game against Sacramento in between uh, playing uh, Phoenix and then playing them again. And I'm curious if the extended period off is going to just kind of play a role in how every team or how each team approaches that kind of second game against each other. And it honestly would not surprise me if the results are split or if, um, or if San Diego can't pick up both wins here, but I do think they win this weekend against Phoenix. So I'm taking them on that one. All right, John. If there was something that stood out for me from that Detroit performance in terms of loyal, it was the way that right off the bat, Joe Corona and Charlie Adams had great chemistry in the middle. Very good at denying space to um, like Reese Williams, Maxi Rodriguez. I think given that Charleston shut down Danny Trejo, they were able to limit Fede Varela. San Diego has the personnel to do that same thing against Phoenix. I think the Rising are going to struggle to create chances. This was my lock for the week. I've got San Diego. Here's kind of where I stand. I saw a little bit of loyal freak out, a little bit of we scored one goal because our center back hit a beautiful volley. Um, I would also just ignore Fob Mob. For a little bit especially when it comes to defensive ratings detroit still has a really good back line they still have a really good defense i really liked what i saw out of them and in my eyes maybe i'm uninformed maybe i'm an idiot i am an idiot go ahead clip that um you know phoenix is a major step down maybe two from detroit's back line i'm not saying that loyal are going to put up three four five goals but I also think they're going to be able to see the ball move into that attacking third a lot more fluid than they did against Detroit City. 
And I think that this will end up being a fairly comfortable win for Loyal. Maybe the scoreline may not say comfort, but I think the vibe on the pitch will will be a lot better than the scoreline will say. I'm taking Loyal, not my lock though. So I think that is all the USL stuff. Um also, Andy, you don't need to send that to my fiance. She saw me say that and then just smiled at me. So she acknowledges that I am an idiot. Um, so anyway, um, I think that's about all the USL stuff. Unless anybody has anything they really want to bring up. No, no, no. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, Phil, final thoughts for the people. Um, well, I'll uh, do a couple shameless plugs. The first uh, is for... All the locomotive fans, seriously, Loco um, is is back with like in season stuff, um, and uh, so we've got an episode out now about the Sacramento game. We've got another episode coming after the Colorado Springs game tomorrow, um, and then we've got Detroit at the weekend. Um, so it's going to be a fun stretch of games. Uh, nothing like a three day week to start off the season, uh, or a three game week to start the season, I should say, and then. Uh, um yeah daylight savings is still ruining my life um i don't know why this change is impacting me more than like past years but this is it's just so she's like <laughs> fine she i was like oh it's gonna really screw up her schedule she's good she did not hasn't been impacted at all meanwhile her father is like <laughs> just riding the struggle bus struggles the clown like I, i'm just absolutely yeah in the mud as the kids are saying so uh ryan i will say at least my impact from daylight savings time is that the cat bothers us an hour later now for food <laughs> typically she would always start bothering us at 3 30 and she doesn't get fed until 4 30 so now she's actually i think now back on the correct cycle at least but uh in other news um yeah we're now gonna have uh two episodes of tv of note on wednesdays moving forward with uh, the mandalorian and tet last season three returning tomorrow so uh busy uh, tv schedules ahead yeah alan yeah so i'm boycotting all this like releasing it one week at a time like i haven't watched mandalorian yet because i'm waiting for more episodes to come out so i can watch four or five at a time because that's how i want to consume my media don't try to tell me how to consume my media, Disney. All right? Stop with this one episode at a time business. What are you, HBO? See, um, they got to do the HBO, though, where they put it out at a time. Like, don't drop it at midnight. Drop it at, like, 9 p.m. and make it a, like, event, you know? Well, you say that, but yeah, Ted Lasso just dropped at 9 p.m. as we were starting this podcast. Oh, so Apple knows well, what they're doing. Yeah. I guess. I mean... Um, I have a schedule now where it's like I have blocks of time to watch things. I don't have like consistent like opening like once a week. And plus like I'm living not at home for part of the week. So I have to like wait to watch some of the stuff with my wife over the weekend. I'm just like, no, we're just going to wait. We're going to have like a nice Saturday morning where we watch five episodes of Mandalorian in a row and like veg out and eat and drink our coffee. So like, don't tell me how to live my life, Disney. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, uh, shout out to the walking 90 guys. Um, I know they got that name from how I would probably play soccer. Um, <laughs> just, just putting that out there. Um, that's a that's a thing. Walking yeah. walking football. That's a that's a thing. I would probably be cut. They're like, you're not trying hard enough. 
Uh, no pace. <laughs> yeah, no pace. Is it like speed walking? It's not standing 90, Underwood. It's walking 90. <laughs> uh, shout out to those guys. I know they do good work. Um, mm-hmm. I was gonna, I'll let John give his spiel about back yield. Um, but uh, Two Balls Underwood is also back um, with uh, the, covering San Diego Loyal with the best podcast name in all of soccer, I think. Two Balls it's Underwood is serious media. Back. Yeah, we're serious media. Very serious, serious media. media. <laughs> we we drop rumors and get phone calls from the front office. So, uh, John. Yeah, I mean, I just want to say, first and foremost, that the USL show is real hard-hitting journalism. I mean, what we're doing right now is breaking news, asking the questions that matter in this league. So it really is cool if you're a soccer fan. <laughs> but um... You're not the admin. <laughs> You don't have to deal with this. <laughs> he doesn't at me. It's not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I wanted to say is I'm, I'm crying in the club that Banshee's in Minishira didn't win any awards. <laughs> so in and out oh. with that. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, please subscribe to all the things. Um, Bad killed. Seriously, Loco. Um, is there something for two balls? Is there a, is there no. a Patreon? Our, our, no, we're free. Like we know our worth, and we are not charging anything. <laughs> it's very it's like your Venmo. Yeah, if you want to send me, like, don't send me something. I may, I may, like, hit up Tony and Chiva. Like, I have a pretty solid career where I do not need you to Venmo me anything. Like, I'm good. I'm good. Just laugh and support Tony and Chiva. St. Patrick's Day Friday. Buy him a beer. It's true. Very true. Um. Let's see. Usually I go with a classical music thing. Um, I'm Watsky dropped a new album. It's intentions. And there, he has a song uh, called what's the move with T pain. And it is a heater. So it's like, if you just want to just listen to the beat of it, like the sample of it goes hard. It's a great time. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't think I have anything really to plug. I have a, I have hammering down stuff coming out, but also, honestly, you don't want to listen to me talk anymore. I get it. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I get to spend a little bit of time with the fiance, which is always a, a wonderful time. We're closing down on almost uh, two months till the wedding, which is like getting scary at the same time. It's like, oh boy, I actually have to make decisions. I hate this. So, yeah, um, yeah. But I think that's about it. Um, I think uh, – oh, check out Ryan's Twitter because he's going to be posting the rest of our picks because just because we talked about five doesn't mean we didn't do our normal ten. And there were some blocks. So please, please check out his Twitter. We'll retweet it. You can hold it over our heads like you always will. Um, you know, as you probably got, should, except for one you more, post the admin. I got one more thing. Uh, Robert, the joke's on you. I locked San Antonio last week and this week. (laughs) (laughs) Can't wait to see San Antonio eventually choke it away because you locked them twice. (laughs) But until the last, for the last time tonight, y'all, uh, cue Alan's voice. Thank you for watching another episode of the USL show. This and every episode is brought to you by the beautiful game network. Find podcasts and other written work at bgn.fm. Once again, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you guys again next week.